My focus will be to study French. I have four blogs that are sent to me weekly with tips and exercises and all of those have been stored in Outlook and not touched for months and months. Thank you so much for this idea. I am so impressed with taking information overload seriously. It's Note to Self, the tech show about being human. I'm Anoush Samarodi. That was Beth Gersh-Nesik in Ardsley, New York. She and over 25,000 other people did our project last week. Infomagical! Yes, super silly name, but I still love it. The plan was to confront our information overload, see if we could find focus again, and make meaning of all the wonderful things coming out of the various screens that surround us. So did it work? Today, we find out. We dive into the stories and the data and see where we go from here. If you didn't do Infomagical, you'll still find what we learned fascinating. And you can still do the project. More about that in a bit. Claudia Riggs, Lafayette, Colorado. Jane from Queens. Eric O'Rafferty. I'm from Altadena, California. The lovely and tenacious people who committed to spending five days experimenting with us were all over the place. Every single time zone on the planet was represented. This is Sally from Sydney, Australia. Claudia from Portugal. Christian from Trondheim, Norway. Laura in the United Kingdom. Rachel here from Canada. Alina, Florence, Italy. As was every U.S. state. Julio to Florida. Alabama. We heard from the young. I'm just a teenager, a very nerdy teenager who loves to read. And people a little bit older. I'm almost 62. There's no time to waste. The first thing we asked people to do when they signed up was pick an information goal, one of five, to keep them on track all week. And the number one goal was be more in tune with yourself. 31% of you chose this. And that sounds all whimsical and whatnot, but to boil it down, I think it means to me is being more decisive about what kind of media I consume. Be more creative came in with a close second at 29%. And that word creative, people defined it in a multitude of ways. It could be cooking, painting, writing, gardening. Coming in third with 26% was the goal to be more knowledgeable on a certain topic. Hi, Note to Self. This is Beth and Ardsley checking in. It's People like Beth, the Francophile, who you heard at the beginning of the show. Beth decided to immerse herself in all things French. She also kept us updated the whole way. It's been a super day. I topped it off with just YouTubing a lot of these cute little French episodes with these guys who talk about stereotypes. They're very funny. Okay, that leaves two goals left. Coming in in fourth place was be more in touch with friends and family. Only 8% of you chose this. If I make more of an effort, I think other people will too. And coming in last, only 7% of you chose be more up-to-date on the news. My goal was I could become more informed of the 2016 election. You think in hindsight, it kind of makes sense that keep up-to-date on the news came in last as an information goal. 
For the majority, this project was about determining personal boundaries. Okay, so you chose your goal. And then we asked you to tell us how you would know if you did indeed succeed, if you met your goal. What would freedom from information overload look like for you? This was interesting. Kind of a clenching feeling in my abdomen. Some of you mentioned success would mean alleviating certain physical symptoms. I know that's a weird way of being able to define when I've met my goal, but right now I feel like my body is almost shaking. I think I would know when that sort of dull ache behind my eyes starts to go away. Also the manic feelings when I'm able to fall asleep without taking any drugs. Others had a clear-cut vision of a precise accomplishment. Starting a blog for Black gay, overweight men. I'm a jazz bass player when I'm able to play at least an hour a day. I want to read one book every week of February. If I get my whole semester of lesson plans finished and I knit or crochet some little thing, then I'll be happy. I feel like I will reach my goal when I don't have to ask my husband to repeat what he said twice. And then there was this group of you who said success would be something intangible, yet very recognizable. Instead of reaching out for more external information, I will instead turn inward. When I have determined at what level is necessary to keep up with the news, determine what my internal thermostat is. It's like that old Supreme Court justice said, I don't know what pornography is, but I know it when I see it. Believe me, I'll know. Thanks. Okay, so you chose an information goal. You thought about success. And then every morning, you got a task, a behavior modification to try out, an explicit challenge to try and move you towards that goal. We asked you to do things like only one thing at a time, tidy your phone, write an information mantra. Some of these you loved... There's not so much. It's Tracy from Massachusetts, and I am recording to say that decluttering my apps is one of the best things I've done in a long time. I feel like I kind of have my life back, which is weird to say, but I realized how much of my downtime I was just spending mindlessly scrolling through my phone. Hi, my name is Robin Watkins. I'm in Washington, D.C., I'm a nurse practitioner. And I found that while doing admin work, I could definitely single task. But while I was seeing patients, it was absolutely impossible. So the challenge for today had to do with having a seven-minute conversation. And I stopped by a neighbor's house. We ended up talking for like three hours and got into some pretty in-depth stuff. I didn't do very well at my goal to stay up to date on the news today, but I did have a revelation with sort. The cute little dog helped me calm down. I'm actually working nights, so I'm gonna try to apply the single tasking at work tonight. I will know that I've reached my goal when I'm less stressed and I feel less stressed already. I really tried to stay focused and monotask feels good. Really having fun with this. That gave me permission to pay attention to something all the way through. And as the week went on, many of you started reporting, feeling as though you had more choices when it came to your technology, when it came to what you put in your brains. 
Hi, my name's Amanda, and I'm living in Tucson, Arizona. And InfoMagical actually has helped me realize how much I use technology as a way to distract myself from things going on in my life that I really actually need to sit down and process. I had a good cry in the Whole Foods parking lot, but it was something that I needed, and I wouldn't have been able to do that if I was sitting on Instagram instead. My name is Brandon, and I live in San Leandro, California. Uh, it was really relieving to hear other people having these same problems with attention span and computers and cell phones. Do it until it's done. That is the essence of what this is all about. This isn't a perfect, it's practice. Hi, note to self. This is Dave from Shorewood, Minnesota. I did spend more time realizing just how much information and interruptions I have during the day, which I realized I can control myself. Today was a very good day with French. A couple of magical thoughts came to me, trying to avoid looking at other things which are distracting is like a magic wand. It's sort of like that transformation in The Wizard of Oz when she starts to see everything in color. And you start to recognize what you really, really want and push everything aside with a little bit more aggressiveness because there's purposefulness. And you've been given permission right now through these exercises. This is a gift. See you tomorrow. Good night. Okay, so that's what you guys told us. By the way, this whole texting you thing was an experiment in how to get our message across to you, how to communicate with you. But usually we put out just one podcast and one newsletter every week. It's on Wednesdays. Got to say the newsletter, if I don't mind saying so, is really funny and it will not overload you. I promise. It is the best way for us to stay in touch going forward and for you to reach us. You can always just click reply to it. Sign up first at notetoselfradio.org. Okay, coming up, we've compiled the data, we've looked at the charts, and so when we come back, we'll look more deeply at the numbers. Did InfoMagical make a statistical difference? And what about data? What can we really learn about the impact and effectiveness of this project? Bonsoir. C'est euh, presque minuit. C'est après minuit, en fait. Bon, I'll speak in French just to let you know that I have been practicing. Hey, Beth. We're back. It's Manouche. This is Note to Self's Infomagical Results Show. You just heard why tens of thousands of you did our digital literacy experiment. But we want to know what really actually worked, statistically, by the numbers. Who actually felt less information overload? Anyone? It's time to bring in the experts to figure out where we go from here. So I want to introduce first off the data scientist, John Keefe, head of the data news team here at WNYC, who made the technical side of InfoMagical work and who is crunching all the data that you fed to us. Hi, John. Hi. I want to introduce the psychologist, informatics professor Gloria Mark at UC Irvine, who you heard from in previous episodes. She does the crazy, fascinating, sometimes disturbing research on how humans and their computers interact. Hi again, Gloria. Hi, Manoush. And now I want to introduce somebody new. 
the computer scientist. Cal Newport, who is an assistant professor of computer science at Georgetown University, and he is author of the new book, Deep Thinking, that actually touches on a lot of the things that we've discussed during Infomagical. So let's start, John, with you, and let's get a data report. What were you able to actually measure? What did you see? So every day we sent out two or three texts to uh, encourage people to keep on their goal and keep going. And sometimes at the end of the day, well, actually at the end of every day, we asked them how they felt. Did they feel more overloaded with information, less, or about the same? And early on in the week, about 40% of the people said that they felt less overloaded, less overwhelmed with information, which is pretty good. I mean, 40%, but it's still less. Less than half. Yeah. By the time we got to day five on Friday, seventy-one percent of the folks who responded said that they felt less overloaded. So we went from forty percent on Monday to seventy-one percent on Friday. And in fact, by the end of the week, we asked people how they felt overall, and overwhelmingly, people felt less overwhelmed, which was great. That is a relief. <laughs> it's <laughs> right? actually That's worked. Good. So can you give us more specifics? Could Were we able to quantify how many participants were able to stick to their information goal as we asked them to choose one? And of that percentage, how many felt less overloaded? Yeah, we can. In fact, every day we asked everybody participating to rate from one to five how well they stuck to their goal, right? And five was awesome. And through the course of the week, among the people who responded, the average scores went up and up and up, and they hit the max on Friday. So people felt like they were doing better against their goal by the time they got to Friday, which is also really cool. Among the people who had made focusing on themselves their goal, uh, they seemed to have the most success. Three quarters of those participants felt less overloaded and felt like they did a very good job at the end of the week. The people who were less successful were the folks who chose to focus on current events and news. (laughs) They still were pretty successful, but less so. Uh, It looks like trying to keep up on the news and making that your goal may not be the best way to prevent information (laughs) overload. There was a lot going on last week. That is true. Gloria, I want to bring you in. As the psychologist, I mean, do you agree is the problem with the technology or with us? I mean, your research has shown that the average worker checks Facebook, correct me if I'm wrong, 21 times a day and that they checked email 74 times a day and that (laughs) workers switch tasks on computers an average of 566 times a day. So... Do we have some sort of inherent weakness that the technology has been built to very beautifully exploit? Or is this merely something that, you know, if we weren't being distracted by this stuff, we'd be distracted by something else? So I think it's a combination. One thing that we found is that there's actually physiological reasons that can explain why people shift their attention so rapidly. So we find that when people are stressed they tend to shift their attention more rapidly. Um, We also found, strangely enough, we find that the shorter amount of sleep that a person gets, the more likely they are to check Facebook. So we're in this vicious, habitual cycle. Keeping in mind, this obviously is a self-selecting group who were looking for change. I want to play you guys a clip from a listener This is Jason in Jersey City, and he spoke very specifically about how setting a goal helped him at work. I chose to pursue the goal of 
being more creative. I didn't really know what it meant, and I didn't really know what success would look like. And so I was a little worried at first. But as the week went on, I definitely found myself thinking about it more. And through the different challenges, I ended up opening a space for myself to be more creative. And that ended up manifesting itself in my job. I've been kind of tasked with trying to develop some new products. So I found more room to be creative and think about that stuff in my job and also just in my personal life. Cal, you write that people who embrace deep work now have an economic advantage in this day and age. Is that what's happening to Jason? That is. And I think this is an important point because we focus so much on what we don't like about distraction that we often forget about what's so valuable about its opposite. We underestimate how much professional value we can actually get when we cultivate our ability to concentrate and think deeply about challenging tasks. These tools are making us worse at doing the deep thinking and creative work that helps make us more valuable, that makes us harder to automate or be replaced by technology. And another thing that has convinced me is sort of more of the macro dangers of this, which is I read one article, for example, that says all this lack of focus could actually pose ethical risks for certain careers. For example, and the American Bar web post said that by allowing interruptions to go unmanaged, you ethically cannot bill your clients for an hour that you said that you worked. And that had never occurred to me. I think we should think about it like trying to eat more healthily. You don't take an occasional break from eating junk food. You mainly don't eat junk food and only occasionally do it. You need to flip the way you think about things and say, when are the times I'm going to put aside to expose myself to rapid overflow of information, entertainment, and communication, and the default activity outside of those times, I won't be connected. Now, of course, this is very hard, but I think to make it more palatable is that we start talking about this ability to do deep work like any other tier one skill in our economy, just like learning how to program a computer or how to write really well, that it is a skill that's going to make you happier and have a lot of professional benefits. We got it not cede the premise to the attention economy that we all have to be mainly connected and be willing to start from scratch and say what's important and it's worth fighting for. Amen to that. I'm I'm with you on this. Picking up on this metaphor of healthy eating, we have to learn to be in control of the media. And we have to learn when it's time to stop, when it's time to focus, when it's time to do things offline. It's hard for us to be able to learn how we can be in control and when we can be in control. And that's, I agree, that's probably the skill of the 21st century that we have to be able to learn. If I could add a quick point to that. Yeah. A simple rule that I think is useful is to ask yourself, what problem does this solve? So Google, for example, solved a big problem. It made it possible for you to get information that was otherwise very hard to find very quickly, and it's often incredibly useful to our lives. Facebook, on the other hand, we didn't have an epidemic of people really wishing they could see more pictures about what their high school roommate was doing uh, last weekend with their kids. And I think when you sift through digital technology in this lens, you see that there's been this sort of merging of truly useful innovations and products that are just trying to sell advertisements and exist for really no other reason. So a simple sifting mechanism of, you know, before this technology came along, was I in a deficit to this fixed? And if the answer is no, you should have more confidence in saying, why am I ceding so much of my time and attention to this particular company? Okay, so I want to wrap up. 
by asking you each, can you tell me one, it can be very small thing that you do to each day to find focus to avoid information overload? Gloria, you want to go first? I try every day to set aside time to be outside because that helps me reset. The research shows that if you take a walk outside for about 20 minutes a day, it actually helps people become more creative. So there you go. Research. It's been tested in the lab that you should get outside. Cal, what about you? (laughs) Well, since my day job is solving math proofs, I probably push my quest to be good at focusing to an extreme that most wouldn't replicate. I'm very hard to reach. I'm not good at email. I might answer it once a day. Maybe I'll go a day or two without looking at it. I think my job, to quote Donald Knuth, is uh, not to be on top of things but to be at the bottom of things, (laughs) thinking deeply. And when I'm done with my workday at 5.30 to 6, I don't use a computer. I don't use a phone. I allow that time for my brain to recharge so I can do more serious deep thinking the next day. You know, the book I wrote was about how to be better at focusing. So while I wrote it, I was really tuning up my habits. And I'll say during the year in which I was writing that book – which you would expect would be a year where my output as an academic would go down since writing a book takes a lot of time. My output as an academic actually doubled during that year, (laughs) which shows just how much potential we're leaving on the table when we don't take seriously our ability to really concentrate and think deeply. I'm with you on that one too. Okay, John, you? My little thing that I just try to do is not grab my phone the first thing in the morning. I keep it in another room. It is my alarm, but it goes off and I have to get up and I turn it <laughs> off, but I don't look at it. I don't check email. I don't check my texts it, until at least like coffee and breakfast. Can, can I add one thing? Of course. I just wanted to mention that information ages very rapidly. When we did our experiment where people cut off their email in this organization, They were very nervous at first, and then at the end of the week, when they looked at their emails, they realized that this was all aged information. They didn't need to deal with it, and they realized life went on. See, it's interesting that you say that because I really think that comes back to fear of death, to be honest. like I think people like checking their email box because it makes them feel alive. It makes them feel like they're needed and wanted and things are going on and, oh, my God, we're so alive. Whereas if you come back and everything's kind of not even that relevant, then you have to focus on the more intense and sometimes difficult things in your life. What am I doing with my life? What am I doing with my relationships? And that's where the hard work, some might Cal say the deep work has to happen. And that's way harder. It is way harder. But, you know, when we we see those documentaries on PBS where there's the old style craftsman who's in the open air barn and they're carving wood, something about that resonates with our human soul. And I think there's this deeper craving that we want to create things of real value, that that's where real fulfillment comes from. Mm -hmm. And in an information age, that's going to require deep concentration. So it is scary to actually have to face yourself and the world in an existential sense. But I think it's worthwhile. The rewards of that deeper craftsman-style approach, which exists in the information age as much as it did back in the earlier ages, those rewards are worth it. Thank you all so, so much for being here. Gloria Mark, professor of informatics at UC Irvine, who has been one of our guiding lights throughout InfoMagical. 
Cal Newport, who's the author of Deep Work, Rules for Focused Success in a Distracted World. I've really enjoyed your book, and thank you for bringing your perspective on this. And John Keefe and your team, the Data News team here at WNYC, for building the texts and the emails and crunching all the data and making sure that this whole thing didn't completely fall apart. Infomagical people, I cannot thank you enough for doing this project with us. You're amazing. And I really want you to know that the team and I read and listened to all of your messages. You put yourself out there and I really applaud you for going for it. I think I listened to more voicemails last week than I did in the last 10 years combined. I'm not joking, over a thousand of them. And here's some news for you. If you want to do Infomagical again, or you missed it the first time, or you know someone who you think needs to get Infomagical, you can go to WNYC.org slash Infomagical to sign up to do these five days. Do them again. Do them the first time. Do them with somebody else. Just do them because we actually saw results, which is kind of awesome and amazing. And here's another thing I want to ask you. If you got something out of Infomagical, please subscribe to the podcast and rate us on iTunes. It is truly the most helpful thing you can do for us because it helps us spread the message, get us in front of more people. And actually, it also helps us get more resources to do more interactive projects like Infomagical. It really does make a big difference. So thank you. And anyway, you got to subscribe because you don't want to miss next week, right? On our regular Wednesday podcast, stand back. <laughs> We're going on a bender. I, that's right. We're going on a bender. I got. Let's check this out. This is the, these are the best pecan bars I've ever had in my life. Ooh. I've got oh salted oat cookie. Do I spy? We're talking sugar detoxes and the technology that hopes to get us healthy. A new exploration. This one doesn't go quite as well, but it is funny. The Note to Self team is Jen Poyant, Ariana Tobin, Amy Eason, and Joe Plord. Reams of gratitude to John Keefe and especially Alan Palazzolo of WNYC's data news team. He kept those texts coming and made our magical connections with you possible. Thank you, Alan. Note to Self is a production of WNYC Studios. I'm Anoush Samarodi, and we couldn't end this podcast without the final message from Beth, the Francophile, the all-things French lady, Bonsoir to you, Beth. Thank you for checking in with us every day. Listeners, you left us some amazing messages. We can't play them all, so think of Beth as your proxy. Bonjour, c'est Beth à l'appareil. This is Beth speaking to you into her phone in Ardsley, looking at the beautiful snow outside my window. I want to share with you my info mantra, which I decided to select from a website that I found on Aristotle's mottos, translated into French. And the mantra that I decided on is, C'est le choix, pas la chance, qui détermine votre destin. It's choice, not chance, that determines your destiny. And the whole context is, excellence is never an accident. It's always the result of great intentionality a sincere effort, and intelligent execution. It represents judiciously choosing from numerous alternatives. It's the choice, not chance, that determines your destiny. Thank you very much for 
helping me choose my destiny, which I think will always be tied up with French in one way or another. And I thank you for helping me focus. It was wonderful. And indeed, it was a magical week. So I want to say merci beaucoup. Thank you. A bonne journée. Have a beautiful day. Take care. This is Beth signing off from Ardsley.